Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa. This week, we are going to bring you the second part of our conversation with Steve Ivey, the author of Swole Crackers Basketball Blog. Getting some great conversation about uh, returning players, how we're going to fill in the departure of Nico Carvacho, what to expect this year from this team who is being touted as a top three team in the league by some publications. And, you know, what what could this season potentially look like with all of the, the crazy COVID stuff going on? So it's going to be a great conversation. You're really going to enjoy that. That'll be coming up here shortly. Today, this is, uh, we're recording this Wednesday. Steve Adazio had his first public press conference with the media for the first time in a, in a while. Uh, and it was mostly about starting camp. And uh, we're, we're two weeks away from our first game. And so I wanted to walk you through some of his comments from that, as well as his comments on the allegation. He had a, a pretty good response to the allegations and the, the report that came out. And, um, he responded to it. You could sense a little aggravation in there. He kept uh, he kept pretty calm and cool, uh, but you can sense that he was a little irritated uh, by the process and uh, the allegations that were thrown at him by a lot of different people and publications. So I'm gonna actually play you the, the piece of of that commentary here in just a second. But uh, he was first a- asked about uh, what the game preparations. Uh, he, he had he had previously said that he was planning to start specific New Mexico game planning by tomorrow, which uh, is Thursday, oh, just shy of two weeks prior to kickoff. And he said, unfortunately, the, the team was unable to practice today. Training and medical staff determined uh, that the air quality index was not good enough for practice due to the fires just west of Fort Collins. So they were hoping to get a scrimmage in, at least part of a scrimmage last Saturday, a 70-play scrimmage was was scheduled last Saturday, and they had to scrap that. And they were hoping to do a little bit of scrimmaging this uh, today, and because practice was canceled, weren't able to do that. So they're going through some challenges. He said specifically, you know, trying to install, and since you're a new coaching staff, you're trying to install a new offense, defense, and special teams schematically. It's tough with a lot of moving parts, which they've had, like any other program at this point, because players have injuries. you got quarantine issue con contact tracing going on people sitting out because of that and then true illnesses are you know they're 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 finding sometimes it's tough to have numbers uh and especially on offense when with execution being you know required for success um they're finding some challenges there so uh, he was asked about a starter at quarterback if it's official that Patrick O'Brien will be the starting quarterback and he actually said no that has not been determined uh, called him a talented player, said he's a phenomenal job leading the team. He knows uh, the abilities and talents that Patrick has. He also said that Todd Centeno has been good as well. And he said that he and his staff are firm believers that everyone has to compete each and every week, and nobody should ever feel like a, uh, a starting position is locked in. He said you have to compete every day, every week, and uh, he's not going to be naming any starters anytime soon. He's still getting to know the football team determining what is schematically best for this particular personnel. And he's finding out uh, who on the team is finding a way to excel in the current environment. So uh, again, they have had some practices and scrimmages canceled. And that's tough because, you know, you can learn some things from players in practice, you know, as you're coaching on the field and you're stopping every play and, and, and instructing. 
But when you're in scrimmage, when you're in competition mode and the coaches get off the field, you've got to see how players react to that. So they don't have all the answers of who's going to be starting at what position. You may, he said, you may see multiple people playing at positions early in the season for that for that reason because they you know they just don't know and they're going to give people a shot. Uh, he was asked about uh, the season not counting against uh, player eligibility this year and how that might affect how they use players. And so he said that's a you know, it's an interesting thing because in years past, you went to every game with a game plan. You tracked their snaps or games or whatever the, you know, that those metrics have evolved over the years. It started off as snaps, number of snaps you could play, and then turned into number of quarters you could play, and then turned into number of games. He said, so, you know, in years past, you were all prepared to, to know what player could play what amount. Um, and this year is not a factor from that standpoint, right? Because everyone is going to be eligible next year, the same amount. Uh, as they were before this year started, uh, as the NCAA granted that extra year for everybody. And so it's going to be basically you know, looking at each player one by one. And is this guy ready to play at this point? Can he help the team? And in some cases, they're going to be forced to play some young guys who may not be quite ready yet due to, you know, lack of numbers due to COVID and, and con contact tracing and quarantining. So um, guys may get a bunch of reps in one week if, if there's too many people in quarantine, uh, and then maybe not as much the next week. It all depends on numbers, so it's going to be a fluctuation. Uh, going back to Todd Centeno, someone asked him if you know what his thoughts are on him and can he compete for a job, and he said absolutely. He said his teammates really respect him just like they respect Pat. And he said both are great leaders that put, their, put the team in front of themselves, uh, great work ethic, and uh, his their fellow teammates respect those guys because they work hard. So uh, he was asked about uh, whether or not he felt like you know he's he's looked around the league and do certain programs or teams have an advantage over others? Does, does he feel like his team's got a competitive disadvantage? And he th he said in general he believes everybody's in the same boat, and uh, whether or not there's a disadvantage may vary week to week depending on numbers and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, you've got a lack of, of a complete spring ball. There's a, been a lack of off-season consistency for this program. They were told they weren't going to play at all. So they're in this little short window of a number of hours. They were allowed to work out as a part of an off-season. Uh, then you had the, the program shut down, do the investigation. So they've gone through a lot of things that could derail a program a little bit. And he, he feels like it's probably magnified when you've got a team that has new coaches. Um, teams that have been together installing the same system and scheme from year to year and players who already know what the standard of the program is, how you practice, how you prepare for games, those those teams have a built-in advantage because they're not rebuilding a program, which Coach Adazio and staff, they're coming in to rebuild this program. It's a little bit more of a challenge, even more so than, you know, just a, a team that uh, got veteran players. You know, if you've got a, a team that has veteran players, veteran quarterback, even with a new coaching staff, you may have a better shot, right? And so, you know, he feels that they're somewhere in the middle. They've, they've got some veteran players, they've got some good talent, but nonetheless, it is a challenge. They're implementing an entire new parts of this program, offense, defense, special teams, as well as instilling what their expectations are of each player and how they practice and how they eat, what the standards are. So, um, you know, and then, and then there's a little bit of a luck of the draw with where you are health-wise. You know, and that's always been that way with injuries, he said. But when you're dealing with the COVID piece, you know, in addition to that, it's that much crazier.
was asked kind of how he's handled the craziness of this year and, and the uncertainty and the start and stop and all these challenges they faced. And he said, you know, it's been an advantage being a head coach for as long as he has. Things like this aren't going to rattle you. He said that imagine if you were a new coach, this might be a little bit unsettling for you. It's your, you know, your first coaching job. And he's got a lot of veterans on his own coaching staff. He said, even that, even that being said, it's certainly taxing, but as someone who's been around a while, you figure out how to get things done. You've got a deadline of October 24th to be ready. That's your first game. So that's, he knows how much time he has left and what needs to get done in between now and then. So that creates some stress, but uh, his experience says he helps, it helps him get through it. And uh, it's just basically right now a race against the clock to be prepared for that game. And then going forward, but uh, how well-versed you can be for situational football and to cover all the things that can happen in a game. Well, he said, frankly, they'll do our best. You know, we'll we'll do our best. We may not have the reps that you'd like to have in some areas, and you're just going to have to hope that you get lucky that some of those things don't rear their, their ugly head during a game because there's just not as much time to prepare for each and everything that you might normally have. So he was asked how the team is mentally. They're mentally prepared for, for, for the start of the season. And he said the team has had a tremendous attitude dating back to the spring. They show up eager every day. They're ready to go to work. But that being said, it's hard to know exactly where each of them are mentally. You know, there are funny things that happen when you're in real game situations. Just in some players and in others, it may highlight issues, right? So without having a chance to even scrimmage, they haven't really been thrown into the fire yet. The coaches have not been off the field, leaving the players on an island to process what they're supposed to be going through quickly and then translating that into physical play. Um, We just haven't had any of that really yet. So, you know, he's, he's said that that's a, that is a straight up challenge and much as they've got done on the field so far is going to have to be enough, you know, between now and, and October 24th, you know, but he also acknowledged that each opponent is going through these same challenges too. So, Offense versus defense, um, as you've probably witnessed as college football fans yourselves, I mean, there is very little defense being played in college football right now. I mean, some of the scores each each week are just insane. I actually asked Coach Adazi what his thoughts were on on the state of, of offense versus defense in college football and why we might be seeing scores and whether or not that same thing holds true for his offense versus defense so far in camp. And he said, in general, you know, when you look at it, Historically, the defense is usually ahead of of the offense early in camp and early in the season. Even if both have the same number of healthy bodies, the defense usually has the leg up and offenses typically catch up later. CSU, though, they were hit on offense in particular with some quarantine issues with guys on the offensive side of the ball. And that put the offense even further behind the the defense. So he's, he's saying that the defense... The Ram defense is ahead of the offense right now. Uh, Relative to around the country, he said that he does watch a lot of football. He's a big college football fan. His opinion is the reason you're seeing such high scores in less defense is that teams weren't able to train fundamentally in the in the you know the weeks leading into their own seasons, and um, you know how much or how little they tackled and how physical they were able to be in in practice. He says that was pretty evident uh, to 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 him how the defenses were behind because of that. And points being scored, you, you see it vary from team to team, but the ones that have returning quarterbacks and some veteran players on offense have been able to excel much earlier in the season. So 
He also said that the teams that were able to weather their camp, get through with fewer injuries or quarantine issues, he said it's been pretty evident to see the ones that were less hit, they came out of the blocks much stronger. But uh, acknowledge that you see some real ups and downs from from teams from week to week. You'll you'll see a, a team pull a big upset one week and then look com- like complete crap the next week and vice versa. Uh, he said for those like the Mount West that are just getting ready to play, you're going to see some wild inconsistencies early. You might see a, a team just wow you. And then again, depending on <laughs> the, the numbers they have avail- available the next week may look like like trash. So, And then lastly, he was asked about Thursday night games. CSU's got four on the schedule this year. He, he actually said he loves them. Fazio said it gives great exposure to a program, and more so as a college coach, he loves being able to watch college football. He said, if you play on Thursday, you don't have to turn around like you would a Saturday game. You're waking up for a 6 a.m. meeting to go through preparation for the following week, and there's just little time to enjoy the joys of college football because it's such a grind. And a Thursday night game may allow you to, to enjoy your win, you get to actually watch other games out during the weekend. You get to start your prep uh, for the, fo- the following com- uh, opponent in a, in a less crazy, uh, time-crunched manner. So he really likes that. You know, he said it does pose some challenges because, you know, CSU is going to open the season on a Saturday night versus New Mexico and then turn around and play at Fresno on a Thursday night just five days later. So there's less preparation. But he says it all evens out. In other weeks, there might, it might be more regular. You're going to have Thursdays and Thursdays. And and he said they'll settle in. But overall, he likes the Thursday games. He knows that uh, CSU has had a good history in Thursday games over the year of their history. Um, so it was cool to hear him acknowledge that. So before we we cut to our uh, our segment with Steve Ivey, I wanted to let you hear Steve Adazio's response to the allegations and investigations. I think when you become a head football coach or if you become a football coach, period, <clears throat> develop um, thick skin, so to speak. Um, you've got to be able to handle criticism, kind of like the quarterback, the head coach, even as, you know staff people. You have to handle criticism. I like to refer to the Teddy Roosevelt quote, you know, and that's the man in the arena. And uh, when you're in that position. You have to be able to handle what comes with it. Whether you think that that's fair or not, that's the world we live in today. And uh, that's where we are. So uh, sometimes that can be intense. It can be unfair. It can be a lot of things. fact of the matter is, uh, people are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to say what they're going to say. They're going to write what they're going to write. Don't necessarily let the truth get in the way. Relative to the investigation, the conclusions were, they were investigated and the conclusions were made. And in the conclusions, there was no justification for the slanderous comments or the inaccurate accusations on either front, COVID or uh, racial insensitivity. That's what was concluded in an investigation. And so that's done, that's over, and you move forward. Relative to the players, we've got a great relationship with these players. Um, There's a love and a trust. You know, I'm responsible for 
120-something players. Everybody's not going to be happy all the time. I'm responsible for 50-some-odd staff people. And you keep moving forward, and you hope that you're building love and trust. And what happens in some of these times where there's been a lot of uh, time apart, whether it be quarantines, whatever, but since we walked out of here in spring, around March, whatever it was, 12th, something like that, um, really haven't had an opportunity to be around the team very much. At March 12th, it was as good as it could be. And since we've been back, it's been as good as it can be. And I think what happens is when you're, the more you're around each other, that's how you earn love and trust. And that's all part of building a bond. And, uh, you know, I think everything we've gone through can without doubt make us stronger. And I like to always look at the silver lining and, and believe that we are a stronger program and a closer program. I didn't say a perfect one, but stronger and closer. And we'll continue in that direction as we move forward. So pretty interesting stuff. Basically said he was exonerated, said they were not perfect, but they're striving to become a better program. So read into all that as you will. Before we go to our break, let me ask you to patronize our sponsors, Shields, who sponsors our contest, and Mighty River Brewing Company, who's been a great sponsor for over a year now. They've got incredible beers down there. Dan and Christine Miller do an awesome job. Great facility, great environment, great place to enjoy a beer. Show your Ram Nation on your phone and get a dollar off your beer and uh, compete in our contest to win uh, opportunities for free beer. That's Mighty River Brewing Company. We'll be back after this with Steve Ivey talking about our college basketball season coming up here at the end of November. All right, welcome back to Ram Nation Radio. This segment is brought to you by Ginger and Baker. The Cash Restaurant is open for outdoor dining on the rooftop. Uh, enjoy it while the weather is still decent over the next few weeks here in October. You can get some really good, really good nights here into November, in fact. But uh, they still got the cafe, the market, bakery, coffee shop open for in-person and carry-out dining. They offer their mix-and-match meal plans uh, for takeout or delivery, which allows you to take nights off from cooking at home. Ginger Graham, Mike, you and I both love her. Uh, awesome, awesome person. We're so lucky to have her support. I just ask that, uh, I mean, if you guys have not been there yet, it is such a beautiful, beautiful place. Great atmosphere, unbelievable food and drinks. I, I, I cannot speak highly enough of this place. Please support her and Ginger and Baker. I, I, and Steve, I know that you and your wife, Robin, have, have gone there frequently and, and love it as much as I do. Uh, we'll probably be there tonight. <laughs> That's usually my wife's first choice when we go out to eat. They have a nice area to sit outside. We we prefer to eat outside. We don't like going inside yet. We're not comfortable. Right. But uh, we sit outside and and uh, we've been we go there. We've been there, Joel. We've been there once a month, I think, uh, since COVID, since they've been open. Um, 
we did takeout from there. And then you know, the other thing is, you know, my daughter was supposed to be married this summer. Uh, the wedding slash reception is scheduled for Ginger and Baker. Uh, it was this year we had to postpone it till next June. So, uh, but we will be at Ginger and Baker for that. It's an unbelievable facility. It's an absolute uh, treasure in that part of uh, Fort Collins. It really is. With what they did with that facility, uh, the old the old feed facility up there, the feed, feed supply is it is awesome. I mean, uh, I was just up there a month ago with my family, and, and we sat out on the rooftop, and the views are awesome. The just the just the atmosphere and the feel of just being there is great. So, um, you know, can I, can I tell my ginger story? Yes, <laughs> um, we all I, we all love ginger and really, Jack. I don't really I don't really know her well. But uh, I, I, we did meet her. This is way back in uh, 2013 when CSU played in, uh, in uh, Lexington in the NCAA tournament. And uh, they had a, a, a big uh, uh, fan uh, uh, booster uh, uh, event the, the night before. And we happened to arrive there in Lexington. We flew in and we drove to the, drove to the facility set up by one of our favorites, Deidre Church. And uh, yeah. And uh, we happened to arrive at exactly the same time as the Grahams did. So we walked in with Jack and Ginger and uh, Ginger and my wife became very good buddies that night. They talked forever. She was just the most outgoing, warm person. She was just so much fun. Um, I have nothing but unbelievably great things to say about her. And it shows in the quality of that restaurant. So, yeah, you, I mean, you can't, those two are such leaders and such vision visionaries that when, when she had this idea to, to turn that restaurant or that, that building into a restaurant, they did it first class. So um, love Ginger as well. Mike, I know you do also. Uh, so, so Steve, I know I appreciate all your opinions, but, but you're, you are a hoops guru and uh, can't wait to talk to you about hoops. Season was supposed to start November 10th. Uh, now scheduled for November 25th. They're allowing, uh, schools to play a maximum of 27 games if you're not participating in a MTE, a multi-team event, or 25 if you are. Um, CSU is playing in one, um, and then or you can play up to 24 games with two MTEs on your schedule. Mount West is going to play a full 18-game schedule, uh, so each member will have the ability to play their full schedule plus uh, up to nine non-conference games if they can get them scheduled. Uh, the A-10 was uh, a10 challenge was postponed this year. Uh, that'll we'll just resume that next year. Uh, and then the MGM Resorts main event in Las Vegas that the Rams are a part of. Uh, I'm glad to, to see that that is currently still on November 20th through 22nd. That has Louisville, San Francisco, and Arkansas in that field. Who knows if there's going to be fans allowed or, uh, uh, you know, there or at our home games. I'm hoping that there are. Steve, I know you're hoping that they are. Um, how weird would it be if you are not allowed to be at games? I, well, I mean, you, yeah, it's, it's part of you. I, I you know, I, I, one thing we should probably should have talked about during football, but it's the same, uh, the set football segment, the same with basketball is what's going on in terms of letting people in. Um, it seems like uh, uh, I, well, I, I did have discussions with somebody in the CS involved with CSU, um, basketball program and he thought they'd probably let about um uh 20 roughly you'd start seeing crowds maybe up to 20 percent uh i know that um 
for Collins, you know, in Larimer, the COVID stuff has been generally pretty good. Um, there have been variances given, uh, the, you know, this is, I forget the levels they talk about at the, at the state, but this has been uh, one of the, the, the better places. Um, and they give variances above the, above the 50 for, uh, for activities. Um, I know my wife is involved with the Nutcracker in Fort Collins, and they're talking about having 500 in the Lincoln Center, which seats 1,700, so almost a third. And that's, uh, that's like the first week in December. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I think you're going to see some, uh, as long as things stay the way they are in Larimer, um, I believe we'll see some, uh, some level of crowds, both for football and uh, and basketball, but boy, would it be strange just to see. I don't know about you. I can't sit through an NBA game. It's pretty boring without fans there. And the you know, fake noise piped in is no good. I, I got into the Nuggets, but I, I have not watched a single game outside of a Nugget game. So um, I, I feel you. And, and it's I, I can't even, and as much as I love baseball, I can't get into the, the postseason baseball. And I, I even, I like the structure that they have. I like the additional teams that they've got in the playoffs these uh, this year, I just, it's just, it's not the same. And no wonder that, that viewership is down across the board in, yeah. in sports. But um, so your thoughts, Stephen, before we get into the future, last season ended a little bit strangely, you know, obviously we had the rough loss. Uh, Mike and I both were on our way to Vegas to watch <laughs> the, the tournament. And because they ended up in the first round game, we flew out that same day and because of the draw, I was flying during the opening round game that CSU played in against Wyoming. And I missed the entire game. We were watching it on my phone in the air and watched us lose. So we hadn't even landed yet when CSU was eliminated, but thoughts on how, how last, how the last season ended. And uh, also as well as having kind of any sort of postseason strip from us as a development standpoint. So, <laughs> who do you think dropped more f-bombs you me or mike i was throwing things on the tv i didn't have as much invested as you guys because i was home but <laughs> i was miserable for a few hours yeah yeah um, you know the the way the season ended obviously that was a, a disappointment but you know if you look at you look at what went on last year um and I, I, there's, there's a couple of different uh, websites that I follow. I won't, I won't get into the details of them, but they do a lot of advanced, advanced analytics. Uh, one of the things with CSU, when they were cooking, they were probably as good as about the 75th best team in the country. They got it going in, in, in January and early February, and then we started seeing some slippage. Um, and one of the stats or a couple of the stats that I, I saw was um, – uh, the uh, level of inconsistency out of about 350 teams in Division I basketball, CSU was about 310th in terms of consistency. There's a huge variation. I think we can attribute that to a lot to the youth. Um, we had three seniors, but we were also starting two freshmen, had two key freshman subs and two sophomores. You had six freshmen and sophomores as very much the, you know, the, the major part of the rotation. I think that led to some of the inconsistency. And then, you know, you always hear stories about, um, you know, freshmen kind of running into a wall, rookies running into a wall. I don't know if that's an excuse or if it's real, um, that may have happened. Um, but they definitely trended, uh, they trended down uh, the, last, uh, the last few weeks of the season. It wasn't just the Wyoming game. 
Um, the San Jose State game, they were at home. They were not very good in that game. Um, they ended up winning by seven, but they were down uh, a good portion of the first half uh, by a bunch. And they looked a little sluggish, a little lethargic. And um, they played a couple other, you know, they went had gone out to Las Vegas and gotten smoked, absolutely smoked. So, I mean, three of their, three of their five worst games came in the, in the last, I think the last six games. Um, so we, we definitely trended down. And I, I don't think that was an issue so much in terms of the, uh, in terms of the talent as much as maybe just the youth. And then missing, missing the opportunity to grow through whatever postseason it would have been CBI. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, that hurt those kids. Uh, you know, I, I, I know the um, I remember when I talked to Nico about the you know, tournaments and stuff postseason, he said, uh, you know, it was going to be up to the seniors. It wasn't he wasn't into it necessarily for the development. He did not want to go into those tournaments without having the seniors 100 percent behind it. Um, and they wanted to do it. And so I, I actually felt worse for the seniors than I did for the development of the uh the freshman sophomores, it would have been good for them to play a one and done game, but they had just lost one. They, they already had that experience. Um, and, um, and so um, it, it was, it was a loss from, uh, from the perspective of guys like Nico and uh, Chris Martin and uh, Hiron Edwards, I think more than, uh, more than the uh, freshmen and sophomores. Curious. San Diego state had an unbelievable season. Mm-hmm would they have made a run in the NCAA tournament in your opinion or flopped as Mountain West teams have done traditionally over the years? I, I think they were going to struggle. And I, I'll tell you why. Um, if you looked at when they were playing very, very well, um, it's because uh, I've got them spacing on his name. You know, when they came through Moby in December, they were probably playing, uh, playing at their uh, near, near their best. I mean, they were smoking everybody. Uh, we played them pretty good and then got killed, ended up losing by 20. But uh, the kid that the kid in the middle, their center um, sophomore, uh, I, I'm spacing on his name. I mean, a good, a great cast, great guards with Fagan and Flynn, uh, uh, Matt Mitchell, Jordan Shackle. I mean, all these really good players. But uh, Nathan, uh, what's his Nathan Mensa. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that kid's phenomenal. He's a great defender. He was really good as a freshman. Um, he came in here. Uh, and did some things as, as a freshman against, uh, against Nico. Um, and he played here in December and they were dynamite. Well, he had, he has, he had issues. He had uh, uh, something, something with his heart um, and he was out of the lineup. And so they had to deal with, they had to go to a, a, a little different lineup. And I don't think they were quite as strong defensively. Um, and if you look at it, they, they had a little quote slippage. I mean, it's not like, <laughs> it's not like they lost a bunch of games. They lost, they lost two games, but they were operating. They were, I, they were a top four team um, with Mensa in there. Mm -hmm. um, they, I don't think they would have won more than two rounds um, in the NCAAs. I think with Mensa, they had a chance to go easily into the elite eight. Um, and who knows after that, they were good. They were very, very good. I got a chance to see, I mean, if you think of the, the, the top, top, top teams we saw last year, um, I, I got to see San Diego State. I got to see CU, who was very good in uh, December when we played them. And I got to see Duke. And there's no doubt that San Diego State was um, more uh, lethal, had a more lethal attack uh, than Duke um, when, when Mensa was in the lineup. Speaking of Duke, that was a pretty special experience. I, I ran into you. We met up for, for pregame meal and drinks out there. And, um, how, I mean, that's, that's your alma mater. How, how great was that? 
for you to watch it's it compete the there. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I, second time I've managed to see CSU there. Um, my wife has gone both times. She loves going back there. We had a great time. Um, the first time uh, was, was a lot of fun. And actually, I don't know if I ever told you the story. Um, I was in um, Tim Miles' office chatting with him in the beginning of the summer when the contract for that Duke game came over the fax. And he swore me to secrecy. He said, do not tell anybody <laughs> anything about this. I will tell you when the contract is signed, but I knew about it before anybody. And then when Nico told me about it, it was like, all right, that's good. <laughs> that makes me, uh, that makes me really happy. It's such an experience to go back there. That gym is so loud. It's um, I think my ears are still ringing. It's so, it's so unique. Like you, you see it on TV and you just get this impression in your head of what it's really like, but then you go there and I can't, I can't express how, bizarre this was because you, we got there I don't know we walked up to the arena probably 45 50 almost close to an hour before the game there's very few people outside like you could see all the tents from Bill, and you're like where is everybody and you walk <laughs> in like literally 45 minutes before tip-off and everyone's in there students, students are jammed in there and they were already loud and and, uh, but it, it was, it was so surreal. And then, you know, it is like an old, it is an old building. It is a very old building that with it was no, built in the thirties, <laughs> no amenities whatsoever. It just is the coolest feel to it. I, I mean, yeah. I, I loved it. And I, and this goes to, I, I love and appreciate when CSU schedules things like that in for basketball and for football to give us fans a reason to go experience something new. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. And, you know, I, that, that to me was one of the highlights and yes, we, we did get rolled out of the gym in the second half, but we were dang right in there. I mean, we were in yeah. within five points with a minute and a half left and somehow we were down 16, <laughs> you know, at, at halftime. Uh, yeah. But yeah, but when, it's, it is so, it is so loud. It is so hot. It is so oppressive. It's like, it's like, you know, we got a young team like that. It's like you put their heads in a vice and you're just constantly turning right. the vice and tightening it to the point where, you know, that's a, they just get cracked. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, you know, speaking of road trips, I, I, we, I would be remiss to say that, the, you know, you talk about coaches scheduling great trips. Uh, to this day, I think the most fun football trip I ever had was Boston College. And I know Mike had a, just an unbelievable uh, time back there. We had such a good time. I, my wife is not much of a traveler in terms of sports. I had no problem getting her to Boston. And that was just so much fun, too. So uh, kudos to the coaches when they schedule games like that, because I think those of us that are real fans that look upon them as great opportunities to go to different places and new places or places we're familiar with. But places that are a lot of fun regardless of whether you win or lose yeah, that was that was the first time i'd ever been to boston um you know got to see a, a game at fenway even though i can't stand the red Sox. but that i mean that was awesome to see in the history with that and and then just the the CSU fans before and after the game and and just witnessing what happened i mean that that's my favorite road trip by far i mean i love tuscaloosa that was a blast and it wasn't huge about Jackson or uh, Gainesville. That was kind of horrible. <laughs> but yeah, you're right, Steve. I mean, Boston was just—it was—it was the the top. It was awesome. 
And of course, it was our first exposure to Steve Adazio, wasn't it? Yep. <laughs> Slamming his head. I'll never, never forget it. Never forget it. He had his porn stash. He, he uh, <laughs> ripped his head, his headset off when, when was it Charles Lovett that caught Charles the, Lovett. the pass? Yep, in the end zone, and just he, he just livid. But uh, that was sweet. That was sweet. So, uh, Steve, lots of optimism uh, on this this basketball season. I've read blogs, listened to podcasts. A lot of people talking about this program. Uh, mentioning us as top three in the Mountain West, which is pretty flattering. Thoughts, your personal thoughts on where you think our program is. Do we belong in that conversation? Absolutely. I think that's about right. I, I don't think we're going to see, uh, we'll see a drop off from San Diego State, but I think they're the clear cut, clear cut favorite. They brought back, they're bringing back uh, three, three starters. They added a, another graduate transfer that's going to have an impact, a kid named Terrell Gomez, who is five foot eight, but shoots the ball like, um, like nobody else. He was a leading, uh, leading three point shooter in the nation last year. Um, and so they're going to be good. Um, after that, it's, it's roll the dice between Utah state, CSU, Boise state and, uh, and UNLV. Um, CSU is still going to be young. Uh, there are no seniors now. Um, we are down to, uh, you know, I think what three juniors, a big sophomore class, and a couple of freshmen, eleven scholarship players, um, but a great core. Um, certainly, four starters coming back. CSU returns more than anybody else, um, more scoring and more minutes on the floor than any other team in the Mountain West. That that will help. Um, adding, uh, you know, having growth out of the the two freshmen, uh, Deshaun Thomas and. Uh, and John Tanjay, who were very, very good coming off the bench. Obviously, uh, the four starters, uh, Isaiah Stevens, he was a top 15 freshman in the country last year. Um, that's amazing uh, that we have a guy like that. And if you look at the top 15, there are probably five of the guys ahead of him are lottery picks in the NBA this year. So um, just a phenomenal player there. David Roddy's a top 75 freshman last year. He'll be uh, a top player and obviously Kendall Moore and Adam Thistlewood Kendall Moore made one great jump last year a lot many people know uh, Kendall was the leading three-point shooter in Mountain West Conference games in the conference he shot uh, for about 44 percent he went from being a 30 percent shooter to a 44 percent shooter in one year kid works hard uh, fast as lightning but also has turned into a great perimeter shooter Thistlewood has been a great per, uh, perimeter shooter for his first two years um, if he gets stronger, um, Kendall gets a little stronger. I, I think bottom line is if they get a little stronger, uh, uh, develop a little more, uh, that core four with uh, adding Thomas and Tanjay and then uh, the newcomers. Um, we've got a um, kid from Lithuania, uh, Ignis uh, uh, Sardunis, and uh, plays for the Lithuanian national team who's going to be transferred from Georgia. He's a great player. Uh, PJ Bird, we saw a little bit of last year. PJ is a, a he'll be a replacement guard, probably take the Hyron Edwards um, position of coming off the bench. And PJ is a transfer from VCU. He's a highly recruited player. Um, James Moore is a redshirt freshman who was in uh, the freshman class last year. 6'10 kid who plays uh, played nationally uh, for the New Zealand national team. This is a kid that uh, was the leading, uh, the leading big man three-point shooter at the under-19 World Championships. The kid can, the kid can shoot the ball. Scored 14 points against a USA team that had nothing but lottery picks uh, in their lineup. Um, and then, uh, who am I missing? I'm missing the two, the two freshmen, Isaiah Rivera. Everybody expects him 
I, you know, I was wondering if, um, if they were going to get time because you're nine guys already, I mentioned. And uh, I, I asked about uh, Rivera to one of the coaches and he said, oh, he's going to play. <laughs> this kid can really play top five from a uh, top five player from Illinois. Um, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but, uh, you know, the, the places that are considered hotbeds now in terms of basketball, um, New York isn't as much of a hotbed as it used to be. You still get good players there, but it's California, it's Texas. It's Florida. It's Illinois. Um, mm. Illinois produces a heck of a lot of Division One players. You get a top five player out of Illinois, you're 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 doing something there. Um, and we've seen what players from Texas uh, are like. Isaiah Stevens was like the twelfth or fourteenth best player in Texas, something like that, and he's phenomenal. So um, the recruiting uh, looks solid. Looks like it's going to be a great young team. Um, and then with the coaching staff, I expect them to come along pretty well. It's just a matter of what they were able to accomplish in the offseason. I think the COVID thing probably hurt them a little bit, but then that's going to hurt everybody. So right. uh, I'm excited. I think we're going to see, you know, certainly an improved team over last year. They do have to replace, obviously, the incredible rebounding of uh, Nico Carvacho. But I think they become a little more, a little uh, more lethal, believe it or not, offensively. Um, you get a little more, a little more shooting and scoring out of the, out of the, out of the center this year. Uh, Deshaun Thomas showed the ability to shoot the three last year and Morris will show the ability uh, as well uh, to do that. And so, um, and a little, uh, a year older out of the, the other guys, I, I think they'll be pretty darn good. You know, you basically touched on every single question I had there. I want to dig a little deeper into some of those, but um, Nico obviously is, is somebody that, meant a lot to this program. What an unbelievable kid, great player. Um, but who and how does CSU replace him? Do, do, does CSU have an opportunity to get better or are we going to be worse off the bat without him? Well, I, I don't, I, I don't see how, uh, you know, it, you, you don't replace it overnight. Um, it's going to take some development. Um, the, I think the one thing, the one thing that we always underestimate with upper class bigs like uh, Nico is their ability to stay on the floor for 30 to 35 minutes without getting into foul trouble. Uh, and one of the hardest things for big men that are young is they sure they commit a lot of fouls. They get a little, they're not quite as, as quick, not quite as strong and they get beat around the basket. And so I think the big challenge will be keeping uh, bigs on the floor. We have, I didn't mention the third big, a freshman named Jacob Jennison who's a seven footer from uh, a freshman from uh, he's from Minnesota. Minnesota. Um, and uh you know, uh, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to get better. Dishon showed the ability to play. He played some pretty good minutes. Um, but again, you're going from, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a game to he's going to have to play 25 minutes. Um, and uh, and Moore's is going to have to come in and hopefully give 15 minutes. And he's never played at the Division One level. So it'll be it'll be a challenge for sure. But you've got other guys. You've got Roddy who developed and kept on getting better and better. And I expect him to rebound better. Adam Thistlewood made a little bit of a leap uh, in terms of uh, defense and uh, and rebounding between his freshman and sophomore year. And he needs to continue to make uh, that leap. And then the guards are going to have to do a little bit more than they've done in terms of uh, uh, defending and rebounding than, uh, than, uh, than what they did last year. So it's going to have to be um, a team thing as opposed to Nico going out and getting 12, 13, 16 rebounds a game. And I know you mentioned um, uh, Jenison 
he had a knee injury, correct? So do, do you anticipate, is he supposed to redshirt or will he be ready to- I, You know, I don't know. I, you know, that's, that, that is an interesting, I, I haven't talked to the coaches about it, um, that, uh, but he, I know he's practicing um, and he's practicing, I believe full speed. I don't think there's any issues with his knee right now. Uh, that was, I believe the message I got uh, a month yeah. ago. And so he's, he's making progress and he's a talented kid, um, whether he's ready to play more than a few minutes at a time, or, you know, sometimes the player makes a decision to redshirt. They realize that they're not going to play as much and uh, maybe they want to uh, save a year. And then the other, uh, the other thing is, and I, when I talked to uh, Nico Medved about this last year, um, he mentioned, he, he, he talked about one program that he would like to emulate in terms of big men. And that was Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin he said, Wisconsin is funny. Every year they have a new big guy that comes in and plays. And that's because he redshirted and has developed and you never saw him. And then when he's ready to play as a junior, he plays. And what Nico would love to have is a big once, you know, every year um, that is ready to, to, to come in when it's his time, not necessarily as a freshman, but to always have that, that level of progression. So um, I would, I would guess that Jenison's a good, a good candidate uh, to redshirt for that reason. Uh, and you mentioned earlier, PJ Bird, it was really weird, the use of him last year. And I think there was maybe an off you know, a, a personal issue or an off off court issue that he was dealing with, but he just didn't ever factor into the 2019-20 season. Um, his, his, his dad died last year. Yeah. Um, so uh, he was going through some stuff. Um, yeah. He's a great kid, um, energetic, bouncy. Um, he will be um, needed to be a little reined in in terms of turnovers, but if he gets the turnover thing fixed, his energy level on defense and uh, he's a very under underrated uh, uh, perimeter shooter. He can shoot it. Um, there's no doubt. Um, and so I think he'll come in. And if he can, uh, if he can, uh, if he can, like I said, if he can uh, be, uh, fit into the structure a little better um, instead of just being a guy to come off the bench with energy. Um, but if he can give 15, 15 to 20 good minutes, uh, he'll be, he'll be, he'll be fine. He's a heck of a player. And you talked yeah, about. I think that's a great comparison with the the hiring. Uh, Edwards role you know if he could if he could fill that and and provide that backup for more and and Stevens you know I think I mean that's a great a great you know punch you know coming off the bench so um you know looking at Thomas you know he played pretty strong down the stretch whenever Nico got into foul trouble and 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 he went head to head with um I'm trying to think who the big was is from Utah State oh well Quaida, yeah, Quaida. Yeah, you know, and I, I was impressed. You know, he didn't back down from him, and you know, he met, had some good moves and, and knocked some from outside. Obviously, you can't replace a, a double double machine like like Nico, but at the same time, like you said, if if he could keep if he could stay on the floor, you know, if he can it provide us with with twenty twenty five solid minutes every, every night, I think his scoring is is going to make up for a lot of missing Nico Carvacho. Yeah, he's a, he's he's got he has much more of a perimeter game than Nico ha, ever had. Um and uh you know, he can shoot from he shoots, he's not afraid. You leave him open at the elbow, he'll shoot it. He can shoot the three. Um he sh I think he made a couple against San Diego State when CSU went out there and almost beat uh, beat the Aztecs out in uh, out in uh, San Diego in Viejas. Um 
and uh, and so he could shoot it. Um, I've seen him run. I've seen him run plays like last last second plays for him um, because they know they can get him open a lot easier than they can get Isaiah Stevens open. So um, they, they you know I've seen practice where they do that kind of stuff. So he can shoot it, and Morris will be the Morris will be uh, similar. Morris can definitely shoot it. Um, it. It'll be you know Morris came in late last year from the under 19 championships. And that's why they redshirted him. He was just behind a month. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily a drop off from Dishon to, to James Moore's. It's more of the, it'll be more of an experience thing. Dishon was at a month to pick up the offense and, and he did an exceptional job of coming in and figuring out how the little things, uh, the things that the post players need to do to make that offense tick. So he had a great freshman year, very underestimated what he, uh, what he contributed. And you mentioned Isaiah Rivera earlier. Whenever you talk to Nico or the coaching staff, I mean, he's the guy that they point to as a guy that could contribute this year. Um, what role do you see him as? I mean, what kind of impact do you think he'll have on this team going forward? Yeah. You know, that's such a good question. I haven't seen him practice. It is real hard for me. I, I like to, I like to get a visual. Um, last year I had a, the opportunity to see him uh, practice a lot in the summer and see those freshmen right away. And you could see that you could see the things happening. You could see where Isaiah Stevens was going to fit in and start taking over. And you could see what Roddy uh, could do. I, I don't think there's a way that Rivera is going to crack the starting lineup. I think they're going to be uh, pretty set, but I would expect that you'll see him get uh, some pretty good minutes um, uh, competing with guys like uh, John Tanjay and uh, and Sar Sargunas um, uh, for the for the wing players that's going to be there to stretch the defense and and shoot threes. And I know Rivera Rivera is maybe a little more of a natural scorer inside than those other two, but I think Tanji's going to make a big leap this year as well. I think he's got, and I, I've had conversations with him. Um, he's got a Big Ten body. <laughs> he just doesn't have the Big Ten. Uh, he doesn't have the experience yet. He was a late bloomer at uh, out of Omaha Central. Uh, was kind of very under-recruited and then became the leading scorer in the biggest division of, of, uh, of Nebraska high school basketball and took his team to the state championship. CSU was basically the only team that recruited him. Um, and so he's a, he's a late bloomer. And that kid, I think, is going to be a player. I don't know if it'll, sprint, it'll, it'll jump out this year, but by the time he's his junior year rolls around, that kid's going to be a monster, I think. So I, I, Rivera is going to have to work hard, I think, to get minutes. I mean, yeah, you, you, you look at Tanjay and Roddy. I mean, those guys have men bodies. And that's something that CSU hadn't had in a long time. I mean, these guys are just physically imposing when they when they – walk out on the floor. So I, I'm, I love hearing that uh, about Tanjay. You know, he's another good, all, all these, the great thing about this is they're all good kids. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, a chance to talk to Tanjay. Uh, it was about an hour after the game, after that last game, we were walking back to get our car from, from road 34 and he was walking out, you know, and I stopped and talked to him and told him good job. And, and, you know, he stopped and was grateful, <laughs> you know, to, to hear from from a fan and it's just like all those kids are just like that and and it's so easy to you know to have that buy-in as a fan and, and you know you definitely appreciate you know seeing them and, and cheering for them yeah I you know I, I 
I, you can't underestimate how much fun it is to have these these kids around. They are really good. And I shouldn't call them kids. I'll call them young men. Uh, they really, <laughs> they're playing a man's game. They just happen to be young. Um, but, you know, like Isaiah Stevens, I have a I have a, a, a thing going with Isaiah Stevens. I, I've got him. I told him he owes me one. And he knows it because the only game I missed this year was the Nevada game because it was, uh, it was like, a few days after my hip surgery and I couldn't go. Uh, so uh, I got to watch that on TV and I got to watch that remarkable, easily the best game in Moby in years. Uh, Jalen Harris making a three inside of five seconds to put Nevada in the lead and then Isaiah Stevens hitting the, the, the 15, 20 footer over Jazz Johnson at the buzzer. Um, I told Isaiah he owes me one and he goes, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you can, you can talk, you can, you can have fun with them. Kendall Moore is the same way. Adam Thistlewood is the politest kid. You, he calls me Mr. Ivy. You know, no one calls me Mr. Ivy. Uh, great kids. So a couple of the younger guys touch on real quick. I don't, do you know, anything? I, I mean, kind of came in without a lot of fanfare. Trace Young. Do you know anything about him? The kid from uh, Texas. Walk on, uh, evidently good kid, good shooter from Texas. Um, don't know, don't know much about him, but, uh, we lost, uh, what was his name? Um, oh, geez. Nice kid. Oh, he transferred from a junior college. I'm spacing on his name. The kid from last year came in and made a few good shots. Really nice kid could shoot. was a really good practice player. Um, but he transferred to, he wanted to go play somewhere else. I think he's at a, a D2 school. I think he went to Metro or something like that. And then, but uh, I don't think I don't think he's there for anything other than practice, Joel. Gotcha. Uh, and then Jalen Lake, the incoming That's next uh, year, just That's committed, next right? Year. Anything you know about him? We got two players coming next year. Uh, Lake is one of them. Um, the other one is Jalen. Uh, oh, what was that? His? Was Jalen Lake? Is there another Jalen? There's another Jalen that's coming. Who's uh, the, the second commit? They have a commit from Arizona who's more of a passer, passing point guard. Uh, Jalen Lake is a uh, top 10 out of Texas player. Jalen Scott shooting guard. Uh, if you look at his tape, um, he plays on a, he plays on a high school team with a kid that we also recruited that uh, that ended up going to Oklahoma, a kid named CJ Noland. The two of those guys together are phenomenal. And if you look at the tape, Noland is like 6'3", 6 6'4", 6 and 215 pounds with a body that knocks people over in high school. He scores inside, Lake scores outside, and that kid has game. He's got, he's got three-point range. He's got mid-range game. He can pass the ball. He can get to the hoop. He's going to be – he might be the best of all of them. I don't know. I saw his tape, and I was like, holy moly. I sent a note to Katsuma. I said, I, I think this guy's going to be really good. <laughs> so, yeah, that'll be something. So they're building – those are the two players they have coming next year. That rounds out the scholarships to 13 because we don't graduate anybody. Right. So that's, that's, that's I was about, gonna say. Sorry, Joel. Go um, on, uh, you know, they just said that they're about ready to vote on whether to not count this season in regards to uh, a year of eligibility for, for basketball. What do you see that with CSU? I, I, you know, when I heard that, when I read that, I was like, gosh, this could be huge. For basketball, CSU, for CSU basketball to have all those guys and not need uh, those scholarships, not having uh, any seniors, <laughs> basically redshirt everybody with a full season of playing. 
Yeah, it, I, that would be an amazing uh, thing to do. Um, it, it, but then, then you get, uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen. You know, the, the one thing you always get concerned with is uh, kids transfer. <laughs> You know, that's the that's the reality of it. I mean, I I like to think they're all very happy here, but I'm not naive enough to believe that two years from, two years from now we're going to see exactly the same guys on the team. I I you just don't know. Um, so what if they do that? That maybe we get more transfers. I don't know. Um, I think that's an interesting uh, interesting thought though. If we keep this group together, it's like holy moly, that would be a heck of a team to have these guys playing together. Because you know the one thing that uh, the one thing that this coaching staff does is they really do a good job of getting uh, they recruit guys and then they run a style of play that is very oriented around guys that are chemistry guy team chemistry guys. They're all glue players. They all pass the ball. They all shoot the ball. Um, they all are unselfish. And um, the more you have that, the better they get. It's a, uh, it would be an incredible, incredible experience to have this, this core together for another two or three years. My God, that would be awesome. You know, you mentioned just a second ago, Steve, that there's nobody graduating this year. That's to me, that is crazy. All the excitement and anticipation about this, this team, this program, and you don't even have a single senior on the roster. What does that say for what Nico's got going on up there? Yeah, I, it's, uh, you know, the recruiting thing. Uh, I, that's the, the, he's, his, his philosophy is, is oriented around, you know, a preps and that's, uh, that's the nature of the beast of how he builds. Um, it's not the only way to do it. It's how he does it. And, um, what he did, he did the same thing at Furman, um, started getting players in year after year and built a, built a sustainable program that somebody else took over and has kept us a top 100 program. Um, and, you know, the, the guys that, like I said, the, the staff, the assistants are awesome. They're great recruiters. They're great coaches in practice, too. And so um, the whole uh, the whole uh the whole development thing, but, but it, it starts with the players and they'll tell you they're, they're good recruiters. They, they have a good eye for players that, uh, that will fit their system. And uh, they, they are very, very good players. I mean, we saw it. Roddy and Stevens were phenomenal last year. I just a couple questions left for, for me, Steve. Um, you, you know this coaching staff. I mean, I, I've gotten to know a couple of them. They're ridiculously good, and they're really good people. Uh, I know you have a relationship with them. Um, give us your thoughts on the staff, and in particular, how do they compare their style um, to the former head coach at CSU, Larry Stacey, who I know you at times are a little vocal against, and you left on not so great terms. Larry had, Larry had some really good assistants for your first few years. Uh, on his bench in 2013, you had Nico Medved, you had uh, Ross Hodge, and you had Leonard Perry. Ross has gone on as the lead assistant. I think he's associate head coach at North Texas State. And if you notice, North Texas State is building a very good program. A lot of that is Ross doing a lot of the stuff underneath. Ross was a tremendous assistant. Uh, Leonard uh, left and is at... Um, Oh, Pacific with uh, Damon Stoudemire and Pacific is an up and coming uh, WCC program. So those guys were fantastic, but they left after 2016. They stayed through 2015 and 16 and then they left. Um, they both got up and left and 
the the the, re the staff after that, uh, um, this new staff is light years beyond them in terms of recruiting, in terms of uh, in terms of what they do, in uh, in terms of uh, building a team, building a program. Um, it's comparable to I think back to when Miles was here. Miles had Craig Smith. Nico Medved and DeMarlo Slocum. Two of them are successful assist, uh, head coaches. DeMarlo's a key uh, key assistant at UNLV now building them back up. So uh, this is this is comparable uh, to, to them. Uh, Farouk Manesh is an unbelievable recruiter, but he's also an unbelievable shooting coach. I don't think there's anybody better. I once asked, if you remember how good Wes Eichmeyer could shoot, I once asked Wes Eichmeyer, who would win a shooting contest, Tim or Farouk Manesh? He said, Ali would kill me. <laughs> that's, 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 that's about as high praise as you can get. Uh, J.R. Blunt, just a tremendous, uh, uh, tremendous coach, uh, great, uh, great recruiter. He's the one recruiting Illinois. He's from, uh, he from was, uh, I believe Milwaukee, but uh, spent a lot of time in Chicago. He played for Loyola um, and recruits Illinois. And then uh, Thorson, uh, legend in terms of a high school coach, um, great skills coach in terms of big men, great, great in terms of defense, but just an unbelievably big personality um, and great guy. So I, I don't know if we've, you know, I, I, I can't say they're better than what Tim had, but uh, boy, are they darn good. And, and when you look at the two styles, I mean, there was a little volatility to you, Stacey. And <laughs> quite the opposite with Nico Medved and this staff. What, what do you see? I mean, when, when, when he was let go, I know that you were, when you stayed, so, she was let go, you were fairly happy about it. Let me, let me tell just a story. Okay. And this is Nico is very much a people person. Larry Eustachie is not a people person, okay? Um, I probably introduced myself to Larry Eustachie 10 times and I don't think he ever remembered my name. Okay, uh, Nico Medved uh, left after 2013. I got to know him when he was here for the, for the five or six years he was here. Uh, left after 2013. In 2018, he was coaching Drake University and Drake was playing a CBI or CIT game out at University of Northern Colorado. And I found out about that. They were playing on a Sunday afternoon and on Saturday I found out about it. I turned to my wife and said, hey, honey, you wanna go see Nico coach? She goes, sure. My wife is a trooper when it comes to basketball. So we went over to see him and there Nico was walking out before the game and he waves to me. And, <laughs> and then after the game, he, after he finished his radio interview, he came and said, Steve, Robin, how are you? Right? I hadn't seen him in five years. I hadn't talked to him in five years. Um, it was just, that's the difference in, in the, the, just the personality I'm more of a people person. I like that. Eustacey was a heck of a coach, but by the end of it, uh, after, after the snub in 2015, he was a different man. He was not into it as much as he was uh, for 13, 14, and 15. And he just didn't seem to care as much. Um, and Nico is, was a breath of fresh air coming in. Uh, people person, um, great recruiter, hard worker, um, just uh, just a kind of personality I can relate to a lot easier. You just said that about the snub. That's the exact same comment that Ryan Roth gave us last week when we asked him about that. So, uh, and then your story about how Nico spotted you, remembered you, and and talked to you reminds me a lot of Mike. Your story when you went to Florida and talked to Coach McElwain, and he was like, 
acted like he was your best friend, like he never skipped a beat. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was Timmy Miles as well. You know, Timmy's first season in Nebraska, you know, no Ramska, uh, Jeff Riley from Ram Nation. You know, we took our wives to the uh, Wisconsin-Nebraska game and, and we went and toured the facilities and, and ran into Timmy. And the first thing he said to me was, you know, why aren't you wearing green? <laughs> you know, because I was in I was in red for that whole weekend. But, that, you know, that was how McElwain was, too. You know, first thing he just stops, he's like, coacher, what are you doing here? You know, and then, you know, we said an inside joke that we have and laughed it up and we sat there and drank beers for the next hour. I mean, it's, you know, there is some, there's something to say about that. You know, you know, that's awesome to hear, Steve. Um, and you're right. I mean, Brian Ross said those exact same things that he was doing after, after that snub in, in 15. Yeah. Well, it's those kind of coaches. I mean, you, you, you got to win, right? You got to have. You got to be a guy who can get wins on the field, but you also as a, you also got to have some sort of personality that endears yourself to fans. I mean, we all rally around people that we like, and that's why, I mean, Sonny was the perfect storm. Uh, Timmy was a, also a perfect storm. He just wasn't here as long. Uh, but, you know, when you get a guy that wins, but no one likes you, you tolerate him. But having, you know, a guy like Nico, who I think is a guy that is Sonny-ish, you really like him. He, he treats everyone so well, and he could coach. He could be another perfect storm for CSU in basketball, like Sonny was in football. And, and hopefully, he's here for a long time and has success. Um, so, I'm yeah, really- I, you know, I, the other thing I, I forgot to mention, and it involves the assistant coaches too. One of the fun things about being there after games, and Mike Mike comes up to a lot of games. I know you do too, Joel, but with all the young, all the coaches are young and they all have young kids and they're out on the floor playing around. And it is, a, it is part of the family atmosphere. Um, those kids, it's going to be, I, I hope the staff taste stays together for a while because I'm getting old. It's fun to watch kids, little kids grow up. Um, that that's the kind of thing that, uh, that, that is, that, that it feels good to me. Um, and these, the, the, the wives are great. Um, they are very, very nice. They're very friendly, very outgoing. Uh, the kids are awesome. Um, it's just a, it's just a fun family experience now. And I, that's, that's what I'm into nowadays. Well, Steve, well, we've kept you a long time. One last question for me, um, just kind of your impressions on where you think this program can, uh, can go this season. Um, I think, uh, I don't know if their NCAA, level tournament yet um i i need to see a little more i think nit is a i think a kind of a third fourth place finish in the mountain west with a with an nit kind of uh kind of team last year was certainly uh close to an nit team uh this year will be close i think to an ncaa team but i'm not sure if they're quite there they might surprise us um i won't be disappointed if they uh if they don't get into the ncaa's um, I'll be ecstatic. It's kind of like the 2000. I look at it as kind of like the 2012 team, um, which went to the NCAs, which got an at-large bid and got an 11 seed and got sent to sent to Louisville. Um, that could happen. Um, I don't know if it's going to, um, but I think NIT is a good a good goal for this team. In conference, where, where third or fourth. Third or fourth. I I they could finish. I don't think they can finish first. I think they could finish second. Um, I think they could finish fifth. Um, 
So I'm going to say third or fourth. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for Craig Smith with Utah State. <laughs> Craig was here. Craig's a winner. Craig's a great coach. Um, they lose Sam Merrill, but I just happen to think they're going to be good. Everybody's talking up Boise. They have a ton of transfers. Uh, UNLV is going to be uh, good this year as well. So I, it's from my perspective, I think third or fourth is where they're going to finish. Well, Steve, this has been awesome. I know we've kept you a long time. Mike, I don't know if you've got anything else. Um, is Man United going to finish in the top four? <laughs> no. <laughs> That's a we, we sometime we should have a Premier League discussion. No, Premier League. I don't think so. They were they were very fortunate last year, and I'll tell you what, I get up and I watch them on Saturday mornings, and I and after the game, after the match, I say, why do I do this every week? They're it's not just that they lose; they're bad. Yeah, they, <laughs> the most they, overplayed. I've never seen a more overpaid, lazy team in my life. <laughs> yeah, they had. I mean. Leicester just fell apart. Chelsea, their youth caught up to them, and they were able to sneak in at third at third last year. So, yeah, that was uh, that was. Um, but they got hot coming out of COVID, and that's what did it. And uh, other teams, I don't think, came out of COVID as good. And the problem is, uh, and if you follow it, they everybody else went out and signed a lot of new players, and Man U uh, missed out on the two people that they wanted the most. So, yeah. Um, they didn't want to spend the money. Yep. The richest, richest club in the world, but COVID has done them in a little bit. So they also, when the, when you're owned by the Glazers, <laughs> your money goes to Tom Brady's contract this year. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, Steve, this has been awesome. You are the best. Uh, really appreciate you spending all this time with us. Mike, you are all, also always great as usual. Thanks, Steve. Hey, Joel, Mike, thanks a lot. I, you know, I, I miss you guys. Um, like I said, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll get some crowds and we'll, uh, we'll be able to get together. But if not, uh, I'll be thinking about you guys and, uh, I, and I always do. So um, hang in there uh, and uh, go Rams. Go Rams. All right, pal. I uh, just want to remind everybody, please support our sponsors. They are very important to us in keeping us going. And uh, we are important to them to keep them going, especially uh, during this time, this crazy, crazy pandemic. But uh, thanks to all of you for listening. Really appreciate all the great feedback and uh, appreciate your time. Go Rams.